Well, please take your Bibles and open to the letter of Paul to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 will be our text for this morning. I know at least one grow group that's embarked on a study of this, the, the letter to the Galatians uh, this semester in their grow group. So a preview of coming attractions, Tom Walters uh, grow group there. And it's um, so good. Our, uh, thank, you, thank you, Chris, and our, our worship team just for pointing us to Christ this morning. And, and that's what we need, right? When, when we see a reality, we see life, we need truth. We need truth to, to anchor us and to give us hope. And that's what the gospel does. And so it's just such a joy uh, to sing about it and to see it displayed in God's word together every week. Well, some of you are wondering where Pastor Ken is this morning. And hopefully you remember from last week that he is with his bride in Hawaii this morning, right? So if Pastor Ken is listening into this, we want to give a big aloha to Pastor Ken and Kelly. They are celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary, and uh, we're giving a trip to Hawaii uh, to do that. And uh, we're, I'm sure they're just having such a great time as a couple. They got to spend a couple days on Oahu. Uh, I think they were trying to go to Pearl Harbor uh, this last week, and now they are on the island of Maui and are going to be there until they return this next Friday. So Pastor Ken will be with us next Sunday, and uh, I, hope, I hope that you all agree with me how blessed we are to have Ken as our, as our pastor and a shepherd over us, and he just does such a great job of caring for us and of feeding us God's word on a regular uh, basis. And so please just be praying for them. I know this is just a, a special and unique time for them to get away and just be together, uh, just the two of them, for, for this amount of time. We're just praying that that, praying that, that is a, a great refreshment and blessing uh, to them. Well, when I was in Hawaii once, uh, the time that Corey and I were blessed to go there for our, our honeymoon, I mean, it, it's pretty sweet to go to Hawaii. If you haven't, if you haven't been, it's, it's definitely just a beautiful part of God's creation um, where just the air feels different somehow. I don't know exactly uh, what it is, but uh, one of the things that I remember from our honeymoon when we were in Hawaii is, you know, right, right around the time that it was transitioning from afternoon uh, to evening, you know, if we were driving somewhere, if we were going uh, someplace to eat or something like that, we would start to see car after car after car just parked along the side of the road. And you would see just like swarms of people gathered and, and standing around. And, and so, you know, not, not being locals, we were, we were just like, what's, what's going on here? Has something happened? Is there some kind of disturbance, and, and so we're like, okay, well, we're going to pull over and, and check out what's going, what's going on here, and so we, we pull our, our car over, and, and then we realize that everybody has just stopped everything that they are doing to watch the sun set, right? Not everybody in Montgomery does that here. Uh, beautiful sunset last night. I don't know if you, if you saw that last night, but I was just struck by the fact that, hey, here's something so beautiful and so magnificent that everybody is just stopping everything that they are doing and just sitting there. And it's not like, oh, just a quick, like, oh, there's the sunset as we keep on driving. It was, no, let's, let's take our time to gaze upon the beauty of this sunset. And I, I really feel that, that last week's message was like that. I, I don't know if you're, if you're like-minded with me in that, that is, as we looked at one word, really, from John chapter 19, verse 30, uh, to it is finished, you know, translated, it is finished in, in English. I, I hope that that was just sweet to you to, to think about that and to meditate 
on all that Christ has done. I, I don't know if you were like me, but you wanted to just like shout it out at some point this last week, like to tell us die, right? Like, you know, those dishes are done to tell us die. And uh, I, I hope that that becomes just a dear word uh, to us all, right? That we can just bathe and bask in the glory of, of the salvation that we've been given in Jesus Christ uh, for, forever, right? That the gospel is like a diamond, right? It's multifaceted. It's brilliant. It is beautiful. And, and far too often, we just carry that around in our pocket, right? And it's, it's there, but it's not, it's not in front of us. And last week, it was like we, we got it out and we shined the lights on it. It was just refracting all of its brilliance and excellence. And some of us were seeing new aspects uh, to the work of Christ that maybe we hadn't thought about much before. And it was precious and, and beautiful. And, and I, I hope that uh, your appreciation for the work of Christ was enlarged this last week. And if this is your first time here, you missed out. Last, last week should have been your first time here. Like you should have really come last week. We're so blessed that the sermons are recorded. And so you can go on our website. You can ask a junior hire to help you uh, know how to do that. Um, but it was sweet uh, to think about it. Last week, we, we looked at the fact that Jesus proclaims on the cross to Telestai, it is finished, that his, his sufferings had ended, that the prophecies about Jesus Christ and his death had come true that the ceremonial law had been fulfilled, that the righteous demands of the law had been fulfilled, that the terrible wrath of God for sin had been satisfied, that the power of Satan and death had been defeated, the eternal salvation for all his flock had been secured. I mean, can we just say, come now, Lord Jesus, and just go back and look at our notes uh, from last Sunday. I feel like we could, we could do that. But I, but I hope what we will see this morning is that even with all of the glory and the beauty of the gospel that we looked at last Sunday, that there's even more to it than that, right? That that there is even more to the love that God has given to us in his son, Jesus Christ. Like, we could look at those things and we could say, that is enough, that is more than enough. We could rejoice in just those truths for all eternity, but God's love has a height and a breadth and a depth that we haven't quite comprehended yet, I, I, I think. And, and so this morning, uh, from this passage in Galatians chapter 4, I, I would like to see, I would like all of us to see the beauty of the gospel and the fact that everyone who has been justified, who has been redeemed by Jesus Christ, has also been adopted. By Jesus Christ. So let me read from God's word. Let's start in verse 3. It says, In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's go to God and just ask for his help. God, we want to see, Lord, we want, as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, God, to have strength to be able to comprehend what is the height and breadth and depth and to know the love of Jesus Christ that surpasses all understanding. And and Lord, we just want to see your work as the majestic and glorious and precious work that it is. So give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear 
this morning what your word has to proclaim to us. And Lord, as we see it, may we all have great rejoicing in the work of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I don't know if you know someone uh, who has been adopted or uh, has adopted someone. I know we've got some, some people even in our church here that are adopted or have, have adopted uh, children. Probably you wouldn't have to think very long to think of someone that you know that's either adopted or been adopted. Um, and, and as I think about this topic of adoption, I always remember a, a story that I once heard about a man named Russell Moore. Some of you may be uh, familiar with former dean of Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and now serves uh, with the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty uh, Commission. And him and his wife, Maria, uh, adopted two boys uh, from Russia. And just as we get into the text this morning, I thought it might be helpful for us to hear his account of how uh, that process went. And so just bear with me as I read this. He says, When Maria and I first went into the orphanage, where the boys were living that the Russian courts had picked out for us to adopt, we almost vomited. In reaction to the stench and the squalor of the place, the boys were in cribs, in the dark, lying in their own waste. Leaving them at the end of each day was painful, but leaving them on the final day before going home while we waited for the paperwork to go through was the hardest thing either of us had ever done. Walking out of the room for the plane ride to go home, we could hear Maxim calling out for us and falling down in his crib, convulsing in tears. Maria shook with tears, and as I turned to walk back into their room for just a minute, and I placed my hand on both of their heads and said, knowing that they could not understand a word of my English, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I don't think I consciously intended to quote Jesus' words to his disciples in John 14, 18. It just seemed like the only thing worth saying at the time. And when Maria and I at last long received the call that the legal process was over and we returned to Russia to pick up our new sons, we found their transition from orphanage to family was more difficult than we had supposed. We dressed our boys in the outfits our parents had picked out for them And my mother-in-law gathered some wildflowers growing in cracks in the pavement outside the orphanage. We nodded our thanks to the orphanage personnel and walked out into the sunlight to the terror of the two boys. They had never seen the sun. They had never felt the wind. They had never heard the sound of a car door slamming or having the sensation of being carried along at speed along a Russian highway. I noticed They were shaking, reaching back to the orphanage in the distance. I whispered to Sergei, now Timothy, that place is a pit. If only you knew what was waiting for you, a home with a mommy and daddy, grandparents and great-grandparents and cousins and playmates and McDonald's Happy Meals. But all they knew was the orphanage. It was squalor, but they had no other reference point. That was home. We knew the boys were acclimated to our home and trusted us when they stopped hiding food in their high chairs. They knew that there would be another meal coming and they wouldn't have to fight for the scraps. This was their new normal. They are now thoroughly Americanized, perhaps too much so. They can recognize the sound of a microwave ding from 40 yards away. But as he's telling the story, he says, I still remember, though, those little hands reaching for the orphanage. And I see myself there. 
I hope that, that that story even just impresses upon your heart what a big deal adoption really, really is. And if we think about even just this earthly story of, of two earthly parents adopting two boys from Russia, uh, the fact of our adoption by the king of the universe is a much bigger deal. And as we looked uh, last week at, at Christ's work of, of justifying us, of paying the full penalty for our sins, of making us clean, of fulfilling all of the law's demands on our behalf, I want us to see that, that the justification that we've been given in Christ is really a foundation so that we could be adopted into the family of God. So this morning, I want us to see three things that will have multiple implications and applications to our lives. And the first point, if you're taking notes, is that we were all once enslaved. We were all once enslaved. As we get into this passage, it's in the the flow. Even if we were to go back to verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4, Paul is, is, is using the analogy of an heir or a son that has not yet been given his full inheritance. And so he writes, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is owner of everything, even though a child in those days would have legal rights to the inheritance, they would not yet have been given possession or control of that inheritance. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father, right? That in this letter to the Galatians, there's a lot of confusion in these churches in the region of Galatia based on Jewish influence that, that many of the Jews were saying, yes, Jesus is great, but also keep the law, keep the ceremonies, keep the rituals, do the sacrifices, right? That there was confusion about where our righteousness is really found. Is it based on works of the law or is it based on faith in Jesus Christ? That there were some saying that you still have to be good enough on your own. You still have to keep the law, right? This had led Paul to call the Galatians foolish, right? Saying, who has bewitched you, right? Who has caused you to leave the gospel of Jesus Christ and turn again to doing works, right? That the ceremonial law had been fulfilled through Jesus Christ, right? That grace and faith were the means of salvation, not works of the law. And he's using this analogy of that being under the law is really no different than being in the position of of being a child, but yet a slave, right? That back in that ancient culture, right, we even see maybe examples of this with like a trust fund in today's society. Uh, But back then they would put a son under the care of a slave who would be their tutor, their commander, their master, that that this son would almost uh, be treated as a fellow slave among uh, the household and all the workers that that were, were there. And that slave that was given kind of like tutelage over them, that was given uh, mastery over them, would develop them, right? That would help them to become a man, right? That they would become mature before they were given the possession and the rights of their inheritance. And in the same way, the law, the Old Testament commands, it's a tutor for the people of Israel, right? It's a tutor that, that all throughout the Old Testament, the law was supposed to show our need for a perfect Savior, our need for perfect righteousness that could not come through any of us, right? None is righteous, no, not one. Paul writes in the book of, of Romans that as we look at God's perfect commands, we see how far we fall short of those commands. 
right? That as we keep sacrificing to make atonement for sin again and again, that all of that was meant to look forward to the perfect sacrifice, the one who would sacrifice himself and then declare to tell us die. It is finished, right? That all of this was pointing forward to Christ, that the Galatians were wanting to go back to the law, right? They've been brought to this spot of blessing through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they are wanting to return to slavery. And, and so Paul writes in verse 3, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, right? That before the fullness of the gospel had come, really the state of every person was still in slavery. And I think that's a truth that we need to realize for ourselves, and it's very, very different than most people would like to think of themselves today, right? Most of us, we like to celebrate our freedom, right? I mean, is this not America, right? And we live in Texas, perhaps the freest of the free states, right? We've got all of our amendment rights here in the great nation state of Texas, right? We've got flags that say, come and take it, right? We're almost taunting everyone else. And very few around us, right, very few Texans, very few Americans are willing to acknowledge their status as a slave of sin. If, if you were to talk to many people around you, probably a, a common uh, statement that you would hear from people as you interact with them in our community, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, is this phrase, I've always been a Christian. How many of you have heard someone say that, right? Many of you, right? Many of us are raising their, their hands, right? Many, and many are just saying that they've gone to church for a long time. But there's so few who are willing to acknowledge that there was a point that I was a slave. There's a point where I was a slave. And a slave to what? As Paul says here, that we were enslaved to the elementary principles. Or uh, it could be translated elemental spirits or principalities. Uh, in, this, in this verse, the elementary principles of this world, right? And there's a few differing views on what uh, the full meaning of that phrase is. Some take it to mean that basically we're saying that we were enslaved to the ABCs, right? These elementary principles. Like when a student goes to elementary school, they're learning foundational things of, of reading and, and writing that then they build upon uh, to do bigger and better things later on in in life, right? That, that maybe Paul's saying that, hey, these Jews are saying that the law is really the PhD when, when God would say, hey, really the law is the ABCs that are meant to drive you to something else. But it could also be translated elemental spirits. And turn with me to John chapter 8, and, and I think this passage will even give some helpful light that as there's this Jewish influence in the region of Galatia wanting people to uh, follow the works of the law and not put their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ alone, right, that it reminds me of a, a, an interaction that Jesus had uh, with, with the religious leaders and with the, with the Jews in John chapter 8 that we've already studied. And it, it, read with me in verse 34 of chapter 8. It says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Right? That ultimately what we're enslaved to 
whether it's through the law or whether it's through idol worship, is sin, right? That everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin, and we need to be set free from our sin, right? And even we see a similar maybe uh, vein that the Jews were, were going, and he says in verse 37, continue on with me, he says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father, Father Abraham. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. It is because you cannot bear to hear my... I came not of my own accord, but of he who sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Right? That even these Jewish people, right, who prided themselves on trying to strictly adhere to the Old Testament law, Jesus says, you're slaves of sin, and really your family heritage is not of Abraham, is not of God. You are of your father, the devil. This is our state. This is the state of of every person. Turn over to even Ephesians, the the letter right after uh, Galatians in our in our Bibles. Ephesians chapter 2, this is probably a very familiar text uh, to, to many of us, but we have to see ourselves, right? We have to see what the Bible says about us. Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul writes, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince, the principality of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, catch this, verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's all of us, right? Even Paul himself, he's saying, hey, if anybody else has confidence in the flesh, I have more, but he is willing to include himself and say, we all once walked following the course of the prince of the power of the air. That really, the truth is that before any of us are saved, we are on Satan's team in rebellion against God. As we think about our, our adoption, right? As we think about the adopting grace that is given freely in Jesus Christ, we have to understand what we've been adopted out of. We have to understand the, the rank state of rebellion and wrath that we were in, that God rescued us from. And I just want to ask you this morning, have you acknowledged that about yourself? Right? Well, think about your testimony. Does it go something like, I've always been a Christian? Is that a statement that you have made about yourself in the past? Right? Because Jesus would make a different statement about you. 
I think that there's so many of us that going to church is a cultural thing that we've done and maybe done our, our whole entire lives, but maybe we've never come to the realization of our sinfulness, of our rebellion, right? We, we think many people come to Jesus thinking that they're a good person or at least better than most. They think, I'm free. And, and if anyone comes to Jesus saying that, he will flat out reject that. Right? He will show that to be the lie that it is. And maybe even some of us this morning, we need to realize that right now, today, in this very room, we are still separated from God, living in rebellion to him, in our sin. Right? This slavery is, is ugly. I, I even just think of that story that Russell Moore says that sin is a cruel master to be a slave to. Sin is a cruel, Satan is a cruel father to be described as, as being of your father, the, the, de- the devil, right? Those two adopted boys who are lying in that Russian orphanage in the dark, in their own waste, and their, their hands, even as they're taken out of it and rescued from it, are still reaching out for it. So many in this world think that they are free to pursue what they want and what will truly make them happy, and they think that that is sin. Right? They are not realizing that they are a slave to their sin. They're loving it. They're seeking it. They're pursuing it. Right? They, they don't see its destructiveness. They don't see that it doesn't satisfy. Like Sin is like something that you enter into a contract with saying, hey, I, I will do this sinful action, and in return, it will bring me joy and happiness and satisfaction and fulfillment. And each and every time, it always works out the same, that sin doesn't deliver what it promises. Right? Sin never delivers the joy and satisfaction that it claims. It doesn't pay up. It doesn't pay its part of the bargain. But yet, we and many, many, many in our community, we keep going back. For more. We keep making a new contract with a fresh version of sin, thinking and believing the lie that it will satisfy, that that's the way that people are, right? I mean, we, we look at people and they seem like they've got their life together and they seem like everything is going well for them, but we need to realize the, 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 the nasty crib of their own sinfulness that they are wallowing in that is being rocked back and forth by even the very hand of Satan himself. Right? Just trying to comfort them in their sin, saying, it's okay, there's not a problem, enjoy. And I know that so many of us, we, our eyes have been opened to see the ugliness of sin. And we, we view it as repulsive and evil and, and wicked. And, and, and we even see that in ourselves and we're grossed out by our own tendency to sin, by our flesh that we carry around that, that, that does not want to submit to God's rule in our life. And I, I hope that's you, that you don't just look at sin as like, oh, you know, those people over there, the, those people on, in the, in, on the TV shows, the media, the people out in California, oh, so sinful. I hope that, that, that those chickens have come home to roost, right? That you realize your own sinfulness. You've seen it in yourself, and you, and you see it as the disgusting state that it is. And I just want to ask you, like, even as we think about that, as we think about that we were once enslaved, and that there are many, many around us who are enslaved to sin, that they are of their father, the devil, does that give you compassion for other people, right? If you've been saved, if you've been adopted, 
Does that give you compassion for the people that, that were in the cribs right next to you before you got rescued out of that, that place, right? That compassion that Jesus has, right? Jesus looks at people in our society and he has compassion. He sees them in the, in the, the refuse of their sin that they are, are truly in. Is that the way that, that you see the people around you, right? People who are convinced that they are free, maybe even people that have convinced that they've always been free but are still in the orphanage crib of their own self-righteousness and they're content. There right now in our equipping hour, we're doing a series uh, called Contagious Christian that Ralph uh, Clements is, is leading us uh, through. And, and I hope that, that that's not just information. If you're, if you're a part of that, I, I hope that you see that, that we really want people to be rescued from this slavery. Right? That there are people that God has put you next to in your life that he wants you to bring the good news of salvation and rescue that you've been given in Jesus Christ. Right? And the good news is that God saves. God rescues. And that there are many out there around us. Maybe they've even been in your neighborhood for years and years, but you've never had a conversation with them about the gospel that some of them will be saved, right? That their eyes will be opened, that they will realize the slavery to sin and its wickedness and its corruption that they are in, and they will turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. So if you go back to Galatians chapter 4, he says, when we were children, we were enslaved. That's our state. We're not free. We're enslaved, right? We cannot keep the law. We cannot uh, fulfill God's standard of righteousness and really we're slaves to our own sin and following the course of, of the principalities of this world whose leader is Satan, the devil himself. And then we get to verse 4. But, but when the fullness of time had come, right? But this is the way we were on our own. This is the way that we were apart from Jesus Christ. But God chose to act. But God, in his mercy and in his grace, he chose to show that mercy and grace to undeserving people such as ourselves. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Right? Our second point this morning is that before we could be adopted, before you could be welcomed into God's family, you had to be redeemed. Before we could be adopted, we needed to be redeemed. And this is the work that Christ has accomplished for sinners like us. This is the work that God did. But when the fullness of time had come, that everything in the Old Testament had been working towards the point, right? That we had been looking forward to the Messiah, the Christ, who was to come, who would save people from their sins, right? Who would, who would be the one, the seed of the woman, even in, in Genesis chapter 3, that would crush the head of the serpent, even as we, we talked about last week. And this one would be born of a, a woman. God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ, who would take on flesh, right? He would be born as a human to be able to save and rescue humans. He was born, look at this, under the law, right? Born under the commandments of God, right? That he was not given special exemptions. Jesus Christ perfectly fulfilled all of God's righteous requirements so that righteousness could be given to you, so that it could be credited to your account, so that it could be imputed to you. 
He came and he fulfilled all of the law's demands. He was born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law. To redeem those who were under the law. That word redeem, it, it talks about, and everybody would have known back in that day what they were talking about, that redemption was what happened when a slave, that the price for their freedom was paid for and they were set free from their status as a slave. That free people don't need to be redeemed. Slaves need to be redeemed. Right? Then in that culture, right, this was a, a practice that would happen every so often that if you were a slave, you needed to have your freedom purchased. Right? The price had to be paid. And that's what we looked at so beautifully displayed last week, that Jesus Christ hanging in agony on the cross, bearing the full weight of God's wrath for our sins so that the price could be paid, so that we could be purchased by his blood, so that we could be set free, so that we could be redeemed, so that all of our lawlessness could be fully forgiven and all of Christ's righteousness could be fully and freely given to us so that we would be justified so that we would be declared righteous before the Lord. And that is a work that is finished. Amen? To tell us that. Right? All the blessings, freedom from God's wrath, Jesus' perfect righteousness, death conquered, those have been already purchased through Jesus Christ. Right? And I hope that if you haven't heard that message from last week, if you're like, what happened Last week, go online, listen to that, even this afternoon, right? And we could just bask in that glory for years and years. We could do a two-year series on Tetelestai. Um, but yet, even if we stop there, right, we could, we could say, look at all that God has done, and that would be amazing, but it gets even better. Look at the next verse, right? To, to redeem the next phrase, to redeem those who are under the law, to purchase us, to save us, to call us righteous, so that we might receive adoption as sons, right? Point number three on your notes this morning is that we were redeemed so that we could be adopted. The price was paid for you to free you from your slavery to sin, to rescue you, to ransom you, not just so that you could be called righteous, Right? That's a tremendous blessing, that we're justified, that we're called clean and perfect by, by God, even though we are not, not. Not one of us are clean and perfect. But because of Christ, we're called that. We're treated as if we had lived Christ's perfect, right, righteous life. Right? But think about that. If God viewed you as righteous, as if you were set free from having to go to hell to endure his punishment, if all your guilt was abolished, if your slate was wiped clean, and that was it, it would fall so far short of what God has actually given us. I mean, think about it. Adam and Eve in the garden, right? All the way back to Genesis chapter 3, right? And we see the curses that God gives out, right? That uh, The curses as a result of sin, right? That there's going to be pain in, in childbirth, right? Many women have experienced that, that curse. And it is as intense as it's made out to be. Right? That there's going to be hard work, right? By the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to cause things to grow, right? That we see that we live in a cursed world and ultimately the curse of death, right? That one day we would physically die. But I, but I think 
in the midst of all that, Adam and Eve, they also get what? Cast out of the garden, right? Away from the presence of God, right? That they no longer get to enjoy the closeness and the familiarity of walking with God, of talking with God openly that they enjoyed before sin, Right? That, that because of that, that our sins, God says in Isaiah, have made a separation between us and God. And when we're justified, God just doesn't say, uh, okay, now you're righteous, now you're clean, but kind of away with you, and you just kind of hang out over there, like in my peripheral. Right? You're going to be like the people who are flying coach, and I'm up here in first class, and there is a curtain affixed between us that you can't, no, you just stay back there, Right? That's not what God does, right? Not just these blessings, but also adoption. That God, through Jesus Christ, has brought sinners near to himself. Right? That Jesus came and lived and died so that you and I and all who would turn from their sins and trust in Christ and be given life, who would be redeemed, would also have that life as an adopted son or daughter so if we, if we think about this, look at how it's described here. It says in verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Right? That part of us being adoption, you, you've got to realize that God has given you, has given us, all those who are in Christ, a new relationship to him. God has given us a new relationship. If you're a Christian, your status is not just that of a pardoned criminal. Your status, it's of a son. It's of a, a daughter. Right Now, I've got young kids. Uh, I've got one who's four, and uh, my twins are almost two. They'll be two this next uh, month. And so one of the things that we enjoy doing together is we're, we're getting back into some, some animated movies that we like to watch, and our boys are big on animals, right? So anything that's got lots of animals in it is a good, good movie, right? Catches their attention. Dinosaurs, you know, uh, all different kinds of creatures. But uh, one that I think they particularly enjoy, and they just kind of get wowed by a little bit, I don't know if Miles and Oliver quite know what to make of it quite yet, is The Lion King, right? A classic Disney, uh, Disney movie. Um, and I just was thinking about even this, this, uh, this passage, as I was watching this one time with my, my sons, and there's this scene where, you know, uh, Simba's off on his own and doing his own thing, and, like, you know, Mufasa comes in the clouds, and it's kind of weird, and i got to talk through my, that with my sons and help them to know what's really going on uh, there. But, but he says, and he's talking to Simba, and he's saying, you are my son, and he uses this phrase that I just thought was so helpful for even us to remember, as he says, remember who you are. Right? My, my James Earl Jones voice impersonation is, is falling far, far short. But I, I think that God, even as he reminds us of what he's done so that we can be adopted, wants us to remember who you are. If you're a Christian, you need to have an accurate self-perception of who you are in Christ Jesus. Right? That you're no longer a slave, you're no longer an outcast, but you are a son. Is that the way you think about yourself? When you think about your relationship to God, is it kind of a, like, you know, fearful, timid, I feel far off 
from, from the Lord. Right? I, I, I feel like there's not a closeness. There's not a, a, a feeling of like God loves me. He's just kind of out there. How do you think about your relationship to the, to the Lord? Turn to Romans chapter 6. This is a passage that Ken even brought us to briefly on Sunday. But I, I think that this concept of us remembering who we are, that if we've been adopted, we need to think of ourselves as adopted, right? Look, read with me in Romans chapter 6, verse 7. It says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, catch this with me, right? So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That in the gospel, right, everything that happened to Jesus Christ, through Christ, we've participated with him, right? That, that our sin was crucified with Christ in the cross. That when he raised, we also were raised with him so that we can walk in newness of life. And I think it, it's a great, it, it's a great sh- shame and, and sadness, I think, to, to our Lord when when he who has purchased all of this and has given it to us has lavished his grace upon us, when we don't remember who he's made us to be, when we forget that we're adopted through Christ. In verse 11, he says, you must consider yourselves, right? As you reckon, as you think about yourself, you need to remember that you are no longer a slave to sin, to obey it, to submit to its mastery over you, right? That's what he says in verse 12. Let not there, therefore sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Our mindset, the way we think about ourselves matters to the Lord, that if he says, I sent my son to redeem you from the curse of the law and from the curse of sin and to justify you, to make you clean and to adopt you into my family, then that's the way I want you to think about yourself. And I think so many of us, right, we've, we see our flesh and we see temptations that, that come in, into us, right, things of, of even the world that look appealing and, and attractive. And we've got to remember, I'm not a slave to that anymore like it is a great and tremendous blessing as a christian to be able to look temptation square in the face and say no because it's not a master that we have to submit to anymore we don't have to present our members our bodies our minds as slaves to sin because we're not slaves we're sons right we've been adopted into god's family that is who you are if you're a Christian, right? you are not a slave to sin anymore. It does not have mastery over you anymore. You've been adopted into God's family. And that is a new relationship, right? We're no longer slaves to sin, enemies of God. We're adopted children. And along with that, if you go back to Galatians chapter 4, we see that, that we are sons, right? We've received adoption as sons. And because 
there's this new relationship, this, this new intimacy with God through Christ, that God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The second thing that we see is that God has placed a new cry in our hearts through the spirit of his son, right? We, we remember even back to the gospel of John that we've studied in John 14 and John 16, how Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you, right? Even the, the verse that, uh, that Russell Moore quoted, right? He says, I'm going to send the helper, right? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. My spirit is going to be with you, that, that everyone who's a Christian has been given the Holy Spirit to live inside of them as a down payment of their inheritance, as Ephesians 1 through, would say. And it says that through the Spirit, the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, that through the Spirit we are crying, Abba, Father. Now that term, Abba, it's, it's not a disrespectful or belittling term, but it's, it's one of affection. It's, it's almost like a, a young child today would, would say, Dada or daddy, or dear father, or something uh, along those lines. And I think that, that even all of this language about the relationship to God as a, as a father has come even more into focus uh, for me in the last few years as I've had sons uh, of my own, that, that my sons have rights and privileges to my affection as their, as their, as their dad. Right? My, my sons... Uh, Miles and Oliver, they're just starting to talk, and it's so cute, right? They've got their own little language that we're trying to decipher what it means. Uh, no decoder rings for that. But, um, you know, they, they basically, they, they love in the morning, you know, getting a, a glass of milk, right? A sippy cup of milk to drink, right? And so when they get up in the morning, one of the things that you'll hear them cry is, ma? And that's them saying, I would like some milk, please, daddy, right? And they'll come to you, and they'll look at you with their, with their eyes, and they'll say, Ma? And it's just like, as, as a dad, right, it just, yes, I'm going to go get you some milk, right? I mean, I remember Charlie, when he was young, he was really into apple juice, right? So he would be like, juice, right? I mean, which I had to teach him how to enunciate all of that. And it gives me great joy to hear that cry from my sons and to answer it, right? And they have an expectation that because I'm their dad, that I will answer their cry favorably. If, if some other child came up to me in the hallways afterwards and said, juice, I'd be like, where are your parents? And go get your juice from them, right? But as adopted sons into God's family, that God, his spirit who lives inside of us, calls us, cause, causes us to cry out, Abba, Father, right? As Christians, we have rights to God's affection, Right? We are, there is this closeness, this love, right, that we can go to God and, and cry out to him directly, right? That, as Pastor Ken even said last week, right, that the, the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, right? That that separation, even that system of separation that God had enacted through the temple to help people to see that they did not have the rights to come into God's presence, that, that veil was torn in two, at the death of Jesus Christ, that through Christ and the Spirit that would be sent through him to us, that we can cry out, Abba, Father. Right? What, a, what a great truth for us to celebrate when there's still so many people that don't enjoy access to God. Right? I'm even just thinking, we've, we've got the Pope in our country right now. Uh, 
you know, his grace or whatever, right? That, like, I mean, I just think this, this symbolism of, of, of still priests, right, who are the intermediaries between God and man, right, that you can't go as a Roman Catholic directly to God. You've got to go to God through a priest. And we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, who has torn the veil from top to bottom and has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts through which we cry out, Abba, Father. Right? Not this, hey, I'm coming before the judge, you know, uh, to, to, to offer my humble plea. There's this closeness, this familiarity, right, that, that God wants us to come to him. I, I don't know if you realize this, but, like, it brings me as a dad, right, and I'm, I'm a sinful, fallen dad. I'm not a perfect dad. I'm not the perfect uh, picture of what a father is as God is, right? But, but when I find out that, like, hey, my kids want something, if they, if they were not to come to me, or if they needed something, like, I'd be bumped about that because it's my great delight to provide for them and to give them what they, what they need. And I just want to ask you, are, are you in the practice of going to God with what you need? Right? Are, are you in the practice? If, if God has sent his spirit into your heart, has adopted you as his child so that you would cry out to him, Abba, Father, like, are you doing that? Like, how close is your prayer life to the Lord? We've been given access, right? We can come before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in times of need, which we're kind of always in a time of need, I, I think, right? Are, are you crying out? Are you going to the Lord, right? Are you going to him like the perfect father that he is, that he knows exactly what you need and what is best for you? There's sometimes my kids come to me with requests that I deny, it is not for their good, right? You know, things like touching electrical outlets, right? No, that's not going to be an honored request because I love my kids, right? Sometimes we, we go to God and we ask him for things, but we ask him with selfish motives, and God is a perfect father to redirect those desires and to say no to those requests because he loves us, because he wants what is good and best for us. Are we going to God and asking? Like, think about this last week in your life. How many times have you prayed, right? Now, we're not just talking about before a, before a meal or a quick, a quick thing before bed, but how, how often have you gone to God and exercised your right as his son or daughter to be in his presence, communicating to him, requesting things of him, and enjoying that close father-son, father-daughter relationship that we've been given in Jesus Christ. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget the rights that have been purchased for you by Jesus Christ at infinite cost, free to you, costly to Jesus Christ. He says, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Last thing on your notes is that God has given us a new future, right? In our rebellion, in our slavery, our future was grim and bleak, right? The people that are going to sin as their master and slave to it, hoping that it will provide satisfaction and joy, that, that joy and that satisfaction is going to come to an end, right? That there's going to be a point where every one of us dies, Right, or Jesus returns, and at that point, there is going to be judgment. 
right? There is going to be no satisfaction, no hope for those who are apart from Christ. But because Christ has redeemed those who are under the law and has made us sons, we've been given a new hope for the future. We've been given hope. We are heirs through God. Now, this isn't saying that we become God, right? It's not like God is going to die and leave us his property, right? God is eternal. He will never die. We're never going to become divine like God is, like Jesus Christ is, but we do get to share in the glory that is to come, right? Jesus Christ is going to reign forever and ever. We get to reign with him. We get to behold his glory. We get to be in his presence. Like right now, this time of our life is kind of like the time where our adoption has been legally finalized, right? We are sons and daughters, but we're still in the filth, right? We're still in this world, and we're waiting for, for Jesus Christ to come back and to take us to be with him in the place that he is preparing for us, right? We've been given the spirit as the down payment of our inheritance to prove that we are going to enjoy what is to come, right? That we have the blessings of heaven breaking in to this present life. But really, if we look at all that God has given us in the gospel, the best is yet to come, right? When we get to be with God, beholding his glory and his beauty, right? Not just now, but forevermore, getting to sing his praises and being fully satisfied in his presence. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. That's the life we get to look forward to as a son or a daughter of God. I hope that this morning... God's love for us is great. It's greater than we, than we think about far, far too often. It's, it's like the, the multifaceted jewel that we've got hidden away and we're not looking at it enough. And so I hope that even this morning at looking at this passage of, of seeing God's grace and his love be, be told to you that, that we could be redeemed and adopted through God's son, Jesus Christ. I hope that just fills your heart with, with joy but, but I hope that you know for sure that you have been adopted. I hope that, that you're not the person who thinks you've been adopted when really you're still living as a, a willing slave to your sin, right? That, that you have not been set free from, from sin, right? Maybe you're even confident in your own self-righteousness, just like the Jews who, who you're thinking, hey, I've got Christian parents. I've been going to church my whole life. Look at all these things I've done, Right? Make sure that you are right with Jesus Christ. Right? Make sure that you have come to Jesus Christ in repentance and turning away from your sin and fully putting your trust not in your own resume, not in your family heritage, but in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone. Make sure that that's you because all this that we're talking about, it's only given to those who are adopted. Right? And there are many who are still slaves. Right? So make sure that you have been adopted but then spend time thinking. Just, just meditate this week. Let this be a passage. Let this be a truth that your heart molds over and chews on and thinks about with great delight this week of all that God has done for you. Cry out in gratitude and praise. I think we need to get Chris Delaglio writing a song called To Tell Us Die that we could, we could sing together uh, here on, 
Sunday mornings, right? Be overwhelmed at how much God loves you, right? Live like it is true and don't go back to the filth, right? If you've been rescued, if you've been redeemed from your sin, don't submit to it any longer. Don't, don't keep looking to the same things that have lied to you for years and years for your satisfaction. Don't go looking to physical pleasure. Don't go looking to the approval of other people. Don't go looking to your possessions and your peace of mind and your safety and security. Look to Jesus Christ for your happiness. Look to him for your life, right? Even now, I, I, I'm fairly certain that there is at least someone, if not many among us, who are pursuing sin, right? That you know about it, and you know what Christ has offered you. You know the freedom that we've been given in Jesus Christ, but you're still submitting to slavery, to sin, right? You're still thinking that this life is all there is. Remember who you are. Remember what Christ has done for you. Remember that you're no longer a slave, but a son through Jesus Christ. And may we all this week, may we go to our Father. May we May we go to him saying, Abba, Father, requesting the things that we need, rejoicing in this relationship that we've been given with the God of the universe and living our lives to please our Heavenly Father, that we're so stoked that we're in the family of God that we can't help but want to live for him. Right? We can't want to help but want to proclaim this good news that we've been given that is enormous and vast and multifaceted and beautiful. Tell someone else about that this week, would you? Would you have compassion on those who are still in the mire and the refuse of their sin, who need to be rescued, who need to be adopted into God's family? Would you do that this week? Let me pray. Lord, we are so thankful, God, at your grace. Lord, your grace that is rich, your grace that is powerful. Lord, your grace that can set us free from the power of sin and its dominion and its penalty in our lives. God, that you sent your son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem all those who could not fulfill your law, all those who were sinners, all those who were far off from you. But now, God, in Christ, you have, been, you have brought those who are far off, and you have brought us near. And so, God, may our hearts rejoice in this truth today. May, may it fill our lungs with joy even as we sing to you right now. God, may we have great joy in discussing the greatness of your love for us over lunch today and our families as we go home in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, God. And we just long to see many and many more adopted through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, all to the praise of your glory. And all God's people said, amen.